0: Peace and blessings. This is Muslims for Peace podcast. You have tuned into Muslims for Peace podcast. Please subscribe to our channel. rajim Bismillah rahman rahim I begin in the name of the Almighty God, the compassionate, the merciful, the one who has created everything in utmost perfection. And may the peace and blessings of the Almighty God be upon His pure and beloved messenger. The peak of his creation, the symbol of humanity, the Holy Prophet Muhammad Muhammad, And his immaculate progeny of the Ahlul Bayt, peace be upon them, especially the leader of our time, the awaited savior, Al-Imam Al-Mahdi, May Allah hasten his reappearance and make us all amongst his sincere and dedicated servants. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states in the Holy Quran, wa ma illa billah. All the tawfiq that I can have can only come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One of the greatest gifts that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can endow on a human being is to give him what is called tawfiq. There are some people who work hard but they don't necessarily achieve success. Without the factor of tawfiq, you will not achieve success. Worldly success and success in the hereafter, on the day of judgment. There are people who work hard, but they don't necessarily achieve their goals. They don't have the success to realize their dreams. The same applies to the religious sphere. There are some people who make the effort when it comes to their religion, but they do not have this factor called tawfiq. And that's why you see them sometimes having a miserable ending. Once Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib alayhi salam at night was walking with his close companion Kumail. They recite the recitation of the Quran coming from a corner, from a house. The recitation was so beautiful, so mesmerizing... Kumail ibn Ziyad was in awe. Subhanallah. What a beautiful recitation that is. That is an amazing recitation. Basically, who is this mu'min who's reciting like that? The Imam alayhi salam told him, Kumail, one day I'll remind you of something. Don't be deceived by his recitation. Don't be deceived by the fact that at night he's spending maybe hours reading the Qur'an. Don't be deceived by the apparent uh, appearance of any event. One day I'll remind you. Fast forward years later, Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib السلام, is walking with Kumail in the battle of Nahrawan. When the Khawarij came to fight Amir al-Mu'mineen The Imam salam tells Kumail, You see this dead person here who got killed in this battle? Do you recognize him? Qumayn said, no. Who is he, Amir al-Mu'mineen? He says that's the same person who would recite that Qur'an. And that, you know, inspired you? You were mesmerized by his recitation? Look at his fate now. He had no tawfiq. He read the Qur'an. But in in what state did he read the Qur'an? Some people read the Qur'an. But they mock the Qur'an. Some people read the Qur'an, the Qur'an is cursing them. Because they make a mockery out of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When I read the Qur'an 10 minutes later, I disobey the Qur'an, I'm mocking it. This brings me a distance from the Holy Qur'an. And hence one of the tafsirs of this verse, is this, there are some people whose hearts become hard. قَاسِيَة Why? Because of prayer, because of the remembrance of Allah, because of the Qur'an, because they pray, ten minutes later they make a joke out of their prayer. They violate the laws of God. They read the Qur'an, ten minutes later they disobey the Qur'an. When you mock the Qur'an practically like that, you get close, you get farther and farther from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you need tawfiq from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to achieve success. This is a word that we're very familiar with. Many times when you're praying for your brothers and sisters, you say, وَفَّقَكَ Allah, Allahi وَفَّقَكَ What does tawfiq mean? In our discussion tonight, we'll examine what tawfiq means and how can we achieve tawfiq. What are the main factors that bring tawfiq in our lives? such that we achieve success. Tawfiq is very simple. I don't need to give you a philosophical explanation. Tawfiq means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He sees millions and billions and trillions of factors at play, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes all those factors work for your success. That's the basic meaning of Tawfiq. Allah puts you in the right place. In the, my, in the right moment, inspires you to do the right thing, you become successful. Because my dear brothers and sisters, when you examine every event here that happens, every event, even a small event, do you know that this event is the result of billions of factors that are combined? You don't see these factors. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees those factors. You're not aware of more than 99% of those factors. If all these factors didn't happen, that event would not have happened. Simple events, any event. A man marries a woman. The lady, she goes to a woman's gathering. The mother of that guy sees her on that day. Well, why did she decide to go to that gathering? Why on that day? Why is it that the mother of the man came to meet her? She was impressed by her attitude. And then they ended up getting married. When you just look At a simple event like that, millions of factors put these people together. Many times you don't see these factors, but Allah sees these factors. There is no such thing called a coincidence in the universe. Everything is by divine incidence. There's no coincidence. There's one interesting theory that a meteorologist came up with about a few decades ago. It's called the butterfly effect theory it shows you how one small factor has such a global influence. There's no such thing as a coincidence. Everything has a cause. So basically, meteorologists who give you the weather report, people objected to them. With all these supercomputers that you have, with all this technology, why can't you get it right? Why can't you tell me how the weather is going to be like 10 days from now, 20 days from now? Yeah, the next, in the next three days, they usually are quite accurate. But if you go beyond a week, the weather report isn't really accurate. Why? You have the best technology, you have sensors all over the world. They have sensors in the clouds, airplanes going, checking, you know, storms in the oceans. They have sensors all over the world. And they're computing all of that. Why can't you get it right? So you know what this meteorologist said? He said the problem is we cannot get it right because of what's called the butterfly effect. And he said this example. It's an interesting example. He says if there's a butterfly flying in Japan, it affects the weather in New York. How? When a butterfly flies, it generates movement in the air. Very small, very small movement. It's not even noticeable to you. It's not even detectable to you but it generates some movement in the air. That movement causes changes in that part where the butterfly is flying. So it moves the air, it opens a gap. Then you have another layer of air that moves a little bit until you come to cloud level, to the jet stream. Yes, it's a very small change that the butterfly caused. Very small, insignificant change. But when it caused that change in the jet stream, and you go thousands of miles away, it affects the weather in New York. It can steer the direction of a storm thousands of miles away. It's called the butterfly effect, subhanAllah. So that meteorologist said, with all these events going on on Earth, it's impossible for us to know exactly how the weather is going to be like. There's millions of factors involved. There's no such thing as coincidence everything has a very delicate pattern. Now you are not aware of that, but your Lord, the one who created everything, He is aware of that. For you to be successful, my dear brothers and sisters, it's not enough just to work hard. Let me work hard, let me focus on this project, I'll be successful. That's part of it, part of the equation. The other part is called tawfiq. It's divine success that Allah gives you. So what are the main factors that give us divine success for us to have that success in dunya and on the Day of Judgment? I will share with you five important factors briefly. Number one, my dear brothers and sisters, if you really want tawfiq and success, Allah has put tawfiq in a golden key. And that golden key is serving your parents. It's one of the necessary components of tawfiq. For you to be successful. To treat your parents well. For them to always to be able to rely on you. For them to feel comfortable around you. Especially as they age. You know in Surah Al-Isra, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks, bil Allah mentions their old age. Imma عندك أحدهما أو كلاهما Why does Allah mention old age of parents? Why? You know why? Because when parents get old, they become difficult to deal with. They get illogical. They have an attitude. High maintenance, right? They're very difficult to deal with. Allah says, in that moment, that's why I created you. I want to see how you're going to serve them. Even if you feel humiliated. Some people will tell you, Say it, my, my mom is humiliating me. My dad humiliates me. Allah says, it's okay. That's why I created you. Accept that and still be good to them. That's why Allah states, khfid lahuma <laughs> One of the meanings of dhul is humiliation. Yes, be humiliated. It's okay, Allah wants that. It's okay, your parents are getting older. That's fine, deal with it. Accept it, embrace it. If you want to be successful, it's not just hard work. Go and work 20 hours a day. If you don't fulfill this first condition, Allah will not give you tawfiq. This is guaranteed in the sunnah and the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To give them comfort, to give them joy. Looking at them with love and compassion. The hadith from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi states, Looking at the face of your parents with rahmah, with love, has the reward of hajj. Those of you who've gone to the hajj, you know how difficult it is. It's not an easy journey. Two weeks you have to take from your life and you go there. And you have to make a lot of effort. Allah says, one look at your parents earns you the thawab of a pilgrimage. This brings you divine tawfiq. One brother says, one day I was exhausted. I had a very long day. I worked very hard. I went home. I just wanted to go to my room and sleep. He says, when I arrived at my house, he used to live with his parents. He says, I realized my father was coughing. He was in pain. He had chest problems. He was coughing. So I was about to sleep. I said to myself, should I get up and make him some medication to relieve him? He says, I had this you know, tug of war with my nafs. One part, of me, one part of me says, no, sleep. You're dead tired. Another part says, haram. This is your father. He says, eventually... I got up, it was very difficult for me. You know, sometimes when you're tired, you just shut down. That's it. He was at that level. He says, I got up, I went into the kitchen, I spent a few moments with difficulty, I'm dizzy. But I made some medication for my father. Something to soothe his coughs. I went into his room, I gave it to him. He drank it, he was relieved. He did a dua for me. He says, I was dead tired but when I was going into my room, suddenly in my heart I felt this spiritual energy, this shauq for Salat layl this eagerness to pray Salat al-Layl. He says, I got up, I prayed the salah with so much sweetness. I really enjoyed my salah that night. He says, after that night for 20 years, not a single night did I skip Salat al-Layl. Because of what? One simple factor. One simple factor, right? Five minutes, he sacrificed, he served his father. He brought joy to his father. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him this type of tawfiq. If you want tawfiq from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, one of the golden keys is your parents. Now for those of you whose parents have passed away, they need you more after they pass away than they're alive. The hadith from the Prophet states there are some people who are bar biwaliday. They're good to their parents. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will resurrect them as aq, as undutiful. On the day of judgment they say, Ya Allah, you are a witness. We were good to our parents when they were alive. Allah says, yes, but when they died you forgot about them. I consider you aq because your parents needed you. They needed your good deeds to pray on their behalf, to give charity on their behalf, to read Quran on their behalf. Don't forget about them. Every single day, don't forget about them. They have a right over you. This gives you tawfiq in your life. So the first factor is serving your parents with love, with compassion. Feel honored. Feel honored. Allah is giving you the universe for these moments. It's worth it. The second factor that leads to tawfiq is the avoidance of sins and thinking of sins. Sins, we know they're bad. We shouldn't do them. But thinking of sins is something that we take lightly. You know why it's inappropriate, offensive to God when we think of sins? Yes, most of the sins that you think about, Allah will not hold you responsible But thinking about sins reduces your tawfiq. I'll give you an example. Imagine if you have a friend. Your friend is really gentle, very good with you. Your friend does not violate you, does not steal from you, does not do anything harmful against you. But you know that your friend is constantly thinking about stealing from you. (laughs) How would you feel? Honestly, if you have a friend, you know day and night he's thinking of stealing from you. He hasn't done it. Maybe he'll never do it. But he's thinking of doing it. Do you see your friend in the same light? Do you have the same respect for him? No. He'll change in your, pres- in your eyes. Why? He didn't do anything wrong yet. It's like, yeah, but he's thinking of stealing from me. He's thinking of harming me. He's thinking of ruining my reputation. You see them differently? A true believer trains himself not to even think of committing sins. Is that possible? Sure, it's possible. There are people who achieve that state. It just requires simple exercises for you to work on your nafs, to even avoid thinking of sins. One very effective exercise is the following. Draw a red line in your mind, a strong mental red line around every sin. Psychologically, it's been proven, when you draw a red line around something, usually you don't cross these red lines. Usually you stick to your red lines. For many believers, there are sins they never think of committing. Like drinking, right? For most of you, for you believers, not only do you not drink, you don't even think of drinking. You don't think of drinking. Why? Why don't you think of drinking? When you go to the supermarket, you pass by that aisle full of liquor. Do you think of drinking? Do you feel pulled? Like you have to say no to your nephs. No, no. Don't buy that bottle of wine. Don't buy that bottle of beer. No. For you believers, you don't have this struggle. Why? Millions of other people in your society, they are struggling with this addiction. Right? Some Europeans and Americans, they have beer for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They can't live without it. But you pass by that aisle, you're not even interested. You run away from it. You don't even think about it. Why? Because mentally, you've drawn a well-defined red line around that sin. I'll never drink no matter what. If the world goes upside down, I'm not touching that thing. Right? That's your attitude, you as a believer. The reason why you commit sins is because that red line is not there. For other sins, it's not a big deal for us. For the ghibah, I know it's bad. I know it's like eating the flesh of my brother as the Quran says. I know, I know all of that. But it's okay, it's not a big deal. If I'm in a sahra and there's an opportunity to engage in ghibah, yallah, mashihah, it's okay. We'll, We'll let it slide. We'll let it pass by. See, you have not looked at the sin in a serious way. In your mind, adjust the way you view each sin, you won't do it, believe me. That's infallibility, right? The imams of Ahlul bayt they have a red line around every sin. They see the ugly nature of every sin. They don't even think about it. They're not robots controlled by God. They are humans too. They have desires too. But they have vision. Allah has given them that vision. Develop that vision. Don't even think of sins. Thinking of sins pollutes the mind. Prophet Isa would tell his disciples, He said, my brother Musa would say, don't sin. I tell you, don't think of sinning. Because sins are like fire. When you commit the sin, you get burned. It's like fire. Fire burns you. Thinking of sins is like smoke. Smoke doesn't burn you, but it pollutes the environment. Sometimes it could suffocate you. Right? If there's smoke in the room, it it bothers you. It creates a negative environment. Thinking of sins leads to that effect. The more you say no to a sin, the more Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you tawfiq. The more Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens for you paths in your life. Many of you are aware of the famous story that's mentioned about Ibn Sirin, right? Ibn Sirin, it's been reported that he had the insight to know the interpretation of dreams. Once he was asked, How did you get this realization that you could interpret dreams with so much accuracy? And he proved to be very accurate with his dream interpretation. Where did you get this knowledge? He says there's a story behind it. When I was young, one day I was walking in the alleys when a beautiful lady started to chase after me. He says, I went, I ran into my house, into my room, she chased me. She came into my house. She locked the door. Now I'm young, I wasn't married, I'm full of desire myself. I realized there is no way out for me. If I stay here, that's it. A big violation is going to be committed. This lady is not lawful to me, I will commit adultery. He said, I squeezed my mind to find the solution. He says, the only solution I found that came to my mind was to go in the bathroom, And to stain myself entirely with the najasa. Yes, this is gruesome. Especially, you know, the bathrooms back then. They had dug a hole in the ground. He says, that's what I did. I went in that najasa. I came out. I told her, yalla, (laughs) tufadli. Right? She ran away. She cursed me and she ran out of the house. He says, that was the only way for me to protect my piety. He says, after that incident, Allah gave me the knowledge of dream interpretation. You say no to one haram, Allah opens thousands of paths for you. Allah opens tawfiq for you in your life. It's extremely important to control our thoughts, my dear brothers and sisters. We think thoughts are harmless. They're not harmless. The basis for all bad deeds and sins is what? These thoughts. You know, imagine, imagine... If our salah, when we stand to pray, and all the thoughts that come to us, imagine if there was a device that would broadcast your thoughts. Imagine. If there was a satellite channel dedicated to you and your thoughts during prayer, we'd be ashamed of the universe for the thoughts that come to us in our salah. And every day we stand before Allah with these thoughts. We care about people and how they view us and how they judge us. But do we care about Rabbil Alameen? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, do we care about Him? One of the great tasks that we can achieve in the month of Ramadan is to come up with practical steps to control what we think. Changing your perspective, drawing mental red lines helps you significantly. That's number two. The third factor that leads to tawfiq is sincerity. When you give something in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sincerely, not expecting anything from your society, Allah gives you tawfiq. One of the great marajah truly had tawfiq from Allah in terms of the number of books he had authored, the knowledge, the guidance that he had spread. Now he was living in a tyrannical government he had written a lot of books but these books were handwritten, he didn't have the money to publish them, some he had published some he did not publish, he kept them in his house, so one day the, the troops from the government they storm into his house and they confiscate his notebooks his books, so many of the books that he had handwritten there was no other copy no copy machine, nothing that had stored it for him they took the original copies they confiscated them. 20 years later another fellow it wasn't a scholar a speaker a sheikh comes to visit him listen to this this is really moving he tells him Maulana I have come here to ask you to forgive me I've committed a grave sin he told him what's the sin that you committed he said, remember years ago when some government troops stormed into your house and they confiscated your books? He said, yeah, why? He's like, well, later I had access to the archives when things changed in that government. I had access to the archives. I found these books. I, look at what, I looked at one of those books. I was inspired. Beautiful book. So I published it in my name. I'm asking you to forgive me. What would you do? You spend endless hours, nights, days, authoring a book. Someone comes and publishes it in his name. What would you do? He says he lowered his head and then he had a bell. He'd ring when he wanted the servant to bring something. He had a person who worked there in his office. He said he rang the bell. The servant came. He told him, go into this room, into this closet. Bring me that book. The sheikh says, I don't know what he wanted to do. You know, uh, is he going to now (laughs) attack me? Is he going to write a book against me? What is he going to do? He says that servant went and he brought the book. It was also a handwritten copy. He told me, Sheikh, that volume which you published was volume one. Volume two is still with me. Here, take it, go and publish it. It's not important if my name is on the book or your name is on the book. What's important is that the teachings of Ahlul Bayt in this book are being given to the people. My name or your name. Can we reach that state? That level of sincerity makes tawfiq a reality in your life. This book, Mafatih al-Janan, which is called the sister of the Quran in our house, right? In our homes. You won't find a shelf in which there's the Quran except there's Mafatih. You know how many scholars have authored books of Dua in our history, hundreds, hundreds. What's special about this book? The sincerity of Al-Muhaddith Al-Qummi. His sincerity was amazing. Such that when he wrote one of the beautiful books about the Akhira, Manazil Al-Akhira, his father was impressed by this book. So one day he told his son, Sheikh Abbas Al-Qummi, he told him, look at this book, how beautiful it is. Why don't you write a book like it? His own father didn't know his son wrote that book. That's sincerity. When you develop that sincerity, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes everything happen for you. This is the third factor. The fourth factor, my dear brothers and sisters, and we conclude with this factor, having a solid special relationship with the Ahlul Bayt. That gives you tawfiq in your life, in dunya and on the day of judgment. Realize that the biggest treasure Allah has given you is your iman, is your faith. One day, Imam Zain al-Abidin alayhis salam sees one of his companions distressed, depressed. Tells him, what's the matter? He tells him, I'm poor, rasulullah. I'm struggling with poverty. I'm poor, you see I'm miserable. That's why I'm sad. The Imam alayhis salam tells him, you're poor? He said, yes. He says, okay, I want to ask you a question. Your deen, the iman, the wilayah, the iman that you have, are you willing to sell it for a hundred thousand dinars? Every dinar is a golden coin. You could buy a sheep with it at the time. Are you willing to sell your deen for a hundred thousand dinars? He says, no, I would not. The Imam السلام, t- t- tells him basically, Shame on you. How dare you say I'm poor when you own something that's worth 100,000 dinars and you're not willing to sell it for that. You consider yourself poor? You're not willing to sell your deen for 100,000. That's how valuable it is. Don't consider yourself poor. You're rich. View your iman from this light. When Allah sees that this is how you view your iman, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you the tawfiq. How thankful are you for the ni'mah of hidayah that Allah has given you. One day Yunus ibn Ya'qub, and I conclude with this hadith. He was one of the companions, good companions of Imam al sadiq alayhi a.s. salam. He comes to the Imam alayhi salam and he says to him the following statement. He says, my love for Allah, my belief in Allah, and my wulaya, la wala'i lakum. And the wilaya that I have is better than the entire world bihadafiraha. This whole universe, this whole world, my iman is better. Did he say a good statement or a bad statement here? What do you think? You'd say it's a good statement, right? He's saying my, my iman, my faith is better than the world and all that which it contains. And he was sincere. The hadith states the imam's face became red with anger and disappointment. Why do you think the imam ali salam was disappointed? You, Yunus ibn Yaqub, you say that. He was truthful, he was not showing off. He was showing his real iman to the imam alayhis salam. You know what the imam alayhis salam tells him? He tells him, Ya Yunus, laqad qistana min ghayri qiyas. Yunus, you've compared us, your Iman, and Allah, and us, bait. you've compared that to the world? What's the value of this world? What you said is a true statement, sure. But you're comparing us to this dunya? Imagine if today you go to your mother, you tell her, my mother, you're more valuable to me than a fly. She probably will slap you, right? <laughs> Are you insulting her or not by this statement? You are. But is it a true statement or no? Yeah, of course, you love your mother more than a fly. That's disrespectful. You compare a fly to your mother, the imam says, you've disrespected Allah and us Ahlul Bayt by comparing us to the dunya. What's the value of this dunya? Through our iman, Allah will give you eternal bliss. See the faith from this light, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you tawfiq. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us tawfiq and success in these blessed days of the month of Ramadan, wassallallahu ala syyidina Muhammad wa ali al